1: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors' Freeze List Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me, as always, and taking over the reins as the host this week. Uh, we're doing a little uh, 4-1 pick and roll instead of the usual 1-4 pick and roll. Eric Green, what's up, man? Uh, does, I, I guess that makes me see Ackham and you, Lowry. Sure. I mean, that adds up uh, in terms of who gets... Uh, who gets more love on uh, all NBA teams, but but who actually drives the most impact, you know? Or am
2: I LeBron and you're Dwayne Wade? I
1: don't know. I, th- I think we should keep uh, it Raptors.
2: Yeah, I suppose we are the Raptors. Reason blessed. Not much is up. Uh, it's NBA Jersey Day. That's exciting. Uh, they announced NBA it too season. late. I don't
1: have a jersey with me down here in Tampa.
2: Um. Well... Uh, you can always buy a Tampa Raptors jersey? They are, no,
1: uh, they are, as of the preseason game on Friday, there wasn't Raptors merch yet, but they are going to, they're not converting the Lightning store because the NHL is coming back shortly, but, uh, they are planning to have kiosks with Raptors gear, but it won't be like special Tampa Raptors gear. It'll just be Raptors gear.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, as our resident Florida man, you can, uh, Keep us updated on uh, on all things merchandise. Sure can. As the, uh, the Raptors try to uh, make back their... Uh, not make back their money. Let's not even talk about money. Um, well, we got to talk about someone's uh, money.
1: Just not, yeah, not yeah, in we the do. Uh, Florida conversation.
2: Ding! Uh, that's the big news of, of last night. We're recording on Tuesday morning. About 20 minutes before the deadline for rookie class extensions uh, of for the 2017 draft, or basically rookies going into their fourth year who weren't second-round picks or undrafted. OG Ananobi and the Toronto Raptors come to a four-year deal, player option on the fourth year, which was uh, a concession that sort of helped the negotiations get past the finish line from the Raptors' perspective. Uh $72 million, which came in lower than some of the other deals we saw <laughs> yesterday, most notably Jonathan Isaac, who who I think we're both big fans of, but will miss this year with knee surgery, I believe. Yeah, it's basically or, a
1: yeah. in, instead of a 480, you can almost look at that one as like a 380 with. You know they they get to the spread that hit out because he's not playing this year in a year where they didn't need the the cap flexibility. So that's a smart piece of business for Orlando, and then obviously takes care of a homegrown guy as he as he rehabs and doesn't have to worry about you know his contract at the end of that rehab, um, second rehab in short order for Jonathan Isaac, which is unfortunate. Yeah,
2: no, uh, and in terms of just skill sets, he was sort of the most similar player uh, to Ananobi, but because of their injury situations, they're they're pretty. Different, So mm-hmm. I think it's sort of a fool's errand to directly compare the two. Nonetheless, the way that Monday, uh, that being deadline day, was going, it seemed to me that the Ananobi price was going to come in higher. So when you first heard the news and, and heard the details, what was your uh, initial reaction, Blake?
1: Yeah, so um, without giving away you know, too, too much, um, that framework had been more or less on the table for uh, a little bit. And, you know, these things, I I do think that people maybe um, underestimate how complicated it is to, like, change a contract that's, like... on. Like, obviously, if you're very, very far apart, um, something like Kyle Kuzma's extension or Derek White's extension, which was four years, 73 million, um, you know, those can change the discussion parameters. But when we're talking that last hour... Uh, and you, you know, the deadline is not only the deadline to tweet out that the deal got done; it's the <laughs> deadline to submit the paperwork to the, to the Yeah. So
2: don't you just don't you just yell at it, make a verbal agreement, yes. and call Adam Silver and say done? Yeah, and then four seventy
1: two. Um, yeah, no. So I mean, they had a they had a framework for for a couple of days, and, and I think you know, Clutch Sports, as much as they have a reputation for, um, you know, every dollar and, and every ounce of you know, concession you can get from a team is their goal. Um OG has been with Omar Wilkes, who moved over to clutch um last year. Since the start, they have a relationship. OG's a smart guy. He understands, um, you know, the cap situation the Raptors were in. And the Raptors, you know, if, everything I gathered was that if this deal didn't get done, there wasn't going to be that kind of you know, relationship harm that goes into sometimes pushing it down the line. Like, it's always, you know, it's always a concern in baseball or hockey when you have to go to arbitration. You then have to sit in a room and argue why your guy isn't as good as he thinks he is. Um, or in these cases, you know, there's all there have always been the rumblings that not taking care of Kawhi Leonard... Um, pre-restricted free agency was kind of the starting of the fracturing of the the relationship in San Antonio um there was no I got no feeling no vibes that that was going to be the case here uh, both sides understood each other and when it came down to it you know c- kicking in that fourth year option uh, especially because OG is still fairly young for a guy hitting rookie skill extension um that's pretty valuable he's he can now assuming that the timelines return to um, their normal, cadence uh, he could conceivably hit unrestricted free agency before his 27th birthday which if you're looking at this as how how do you maximize your entire career earnings you know that player option is probably more valuable than an extra two or three million a year um, and then the bigger thing is you know as you mentioned in, in the piece we co-wrote, you know, it's never really a bad idea to say no to $72 million and, you know, faced with, hey, you can lock this 72 in now um, and you don't have to worry about it. And if you get hurt, there's no concern. And and your family, you know, OG has lost both his parents and supports five siblings. You know, all of that stuff is locked in. And there's a real, I think, benefit to the the mental and psychological um, certainty that comes with that. Also, potentially a financial benefit if they work out some sort of, like, escalated payment system where Clutch can invest that money. But that's another thing. Um, So, I don't know. I I think if Ananobi hit RFA, especially with how the markets played out, he definitely would have got more than $72 million. I think both of us are pretty optimistic about what his season could look like this year. And I think, you know, were he... Were he to simply run back his last season, I think he would get more than 72. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is a nice buy for the Raptors, and it's a nice, you know, $72 million. It's not, I, I don't think Ananobi is going to be kicking himself too much because I don't think you know, I don't think the path to him getting, like, Jalen Brown money, say, which was four one oh seven. 107 you know, I, I just don't see that path with the role he plays on this team and where his usage is likely to be, so um, I think it's a, you know, it's a kind of a win-win, I, I think, yeah, I think it's a good spot all around, you know, OG probably could have got a little bit more money if he waited, but that's, uh, you know, that's, that's what you face as a player in these situations is that risk-reward trade-off, and Um, 72 million is a good piece of business.
2: Yeah. You mentioned the story we co-wrote. Uh, you can read that at The Athletic. If you're not subscribing to The Athletic, you should, uh, in my humble opinion, uh, and Gravis Vasquez's, do that, uh, Athletic.
1: Wait, does Gravis subscribe?
2: No, but he always referred to his opinion as being humble. Um, that, that's, that's. I mean, he might su- uh, subscribe. <laughs> I, I don't have... I'm not privy to that information. He should. This So this promo code is for Gravis, too. Uh, theathletic.com uh, slash we the 6 the number six. Uh, and you can get a nice little detail. You can get all of Blake Murphy's collected works, uh, uh, which is... You've got a lot up there, and we'll talk about some more of it in a bit. Um, but, yeah, the... Talking about the deal itself, uh, as you mentioned, uh, as you mentioned that I mentioned, yeah. seventy-two million dollars. Uh, when you've made what, thirteen million dollars or eleven million dollars through your first four years, because uh, this year is included in that. Um, not that that's a small amount of money, but this is this is where you get to like set up your life generationally. Uh, and your family, generally, generationally type money, uh, and like I've been covering the Raptors long enough, where you sort of see these deals get done, even though you can argue from both perspectives that it would have made us made some sense to wait. And uh, you know, Demar Derozan getting four and forty, hotly debated at the time. Four and 64, I believe, for Jonas, three and 33 or something like that for Terrence Ross. Uh, 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 Siakam's max level was, was less contentious just because it was a max deal. And, and I, uh, but,
1: ironically, it's the one that one year later you could argue against most strongly.
2: Yeah. Um, although I don't think DeMar DeRozan's uh, 2012, 2013 season was anything to write home yeah. about. Um, but, uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but this one I think is the most obviously, and again, I don't like putting it in these terms, but like, if you're the Raptors, I think you have to do this deal. Uh, despite there being a loss to flexibility, what we saw going on was not only the unrestricted free agents. Resigning, I, th- I think, like the only no-doubt max player still out there is Kawhi Leonard, who's not max eligible because it's only been one year since he signed his new contract. Um,
1: isn't max? Sorry, other... isn't isn't max ex- uh, extension eligible? Extension um,
2: eligible. Sorry. Yeah. I think he, As a free agent, he uh, could
1: command the thirty percent max, or, or maybe thirty-five yes. percent max
2: by then. Um, but you know, Paul George off the market, Giannis Antetokounmpo off the market. Uh, Rudy Gobert signed a 205 million dollar uh extension, which again is nice money if you can get it. It's almost three OGs
1: um, and an OB. <laughs> oh, geez, yes. Um, this is um, by, by the way, this is uh, so we used to this is going to be a di- diversion. No, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's not even basketball related. So, in I used to have like a fantasy baseball keeper league and it was auction yeah. style, so you would have you bid on guys instead of uh, selecting Mm -hmm. them round by round and the price you paid for them then became, um, you could, we, we had keepers, but you would have to pay uh, a keeper tax. So if you, if you got a guy for $15 the next year, he costs 20. And then the next year he costs 25. Um, and part of that system, you have free agent dollars instead of doing the waiver style. And the first year of the league, someone like really didn't have a great handle for, uh, how the free agent dollar system worked and bid like almost all their money on Emilio Bonifacio. So the, the league's currency then became like for the entire existence of the league, like Bonifacio. Yes. It's like, wow, you can, (laughs) that's half a Bonifacio. I can't believe you paid that. Um, I feel like Gobert's salary is too much for that. Um, because obviously there's just not going to be a lot of things that $205 million is relevant to, but, uh, Yes, as I was as came up in a discussion with someone the other day about what this whole Florida move has cost the Raptors, you know, is that is that half a Kuzma? Is that uh, you know, we we can we can go this way so and beyond that
2: like pluralizing words where you don't expect them pluralized in terms of OGs and yeah. An OB. Yeah, I mean, that's just um, grammatically which, which is, correct. No, it's correct, but it doesn't sound correct on yes. first blush. If, it's uh, like when with, you
1: talk about the Plum... It's not the Plumleys, it's the Lee brother. Uh, yeah. Standers by Yeah, uh, instead of...
2: Attorneys standards. general, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Anywhom... Yeah. Uh, what we saw was the sort of thinning out of the potential 2021 20, free agency class. And then obviously you had the Max guys uh, who could have been restricted. Tatum, Fox, Mitchell, bam, off the board uh, with plenty of time to spare. And then we saw, the, you know, guys further down the pecking order going off slowly on Monday. Uh, Sunday, day, if you want to include Kyle Kuzma, which I do not. Um, so... Luke <laughs> Kennard. Basically... Uh, Basically, the Raptors cost themselves $4.45 million in cap room, which is the difference between Ananobi's cap hold and what his starting salary will be on his extension when it kicks in on, you know, whenever the calendar changes in the NBA, but not such a big deal anymore when there's not a bunch of free agents to necessarily chase. Uh, so what do you see the, how do you see, I guess, the Ananobi deal, um, affecting their future plans now? Because obviously if they want to be a big player in free agency, it's still doable, but it becomes more complicated.
1: Yeah. So I think the important thing to keep in mind is like 4.45 million in, in cap flexibility to lock in Ananobi at what most seem to agree will look like, you know, below market a year from now, um, In a vacuum, that's a good trade-off, and not even in a vacuum. I would argue that in the circumstances we're working within, that's a good trade-off. However marginally, that's pretty important flexibility. So now, depending on what happens with Norman Powell and some of the um, non-guaranteed contracts uh, on the Raptors for next year, um, you know, that may have taken them out of max space. Now, it may work out that it doesn't matter anyway, and Norman Powell picks up his option or is dealt otherwise, and there's not, you know, there's not that swing factor there, or they work quickly in free agency to re-sign Kyle Lowry at, at a dollar amount below his uh, cap hit, and then you know suddenly the the way they're operating in free agency shifts. Um, but I will say that you know dropping from let's assume Powell opts in, dropping from twenty seven to twenty two million in cap flexibility is pretty meaningful when you're looking at the Victor Oladipo, Bradley Beal tier of guys. Um, not only in terms of could you go out and sign this guy to a max, but if you're making a trade. How much salary do you have to send back to make the math work? Um, So this is something I think people sleep on sometimes. Like, flexibility itself is not an end goal, obviously. Um, Flexibility can't go on the back of a jersey. It can't uh, suit up on opening night. However, there are a lot of different ways to use that flexibility. And the way the market has played out and then the Raptors conceding some of that flexibility for OG, uh, as well as, you know, Giannis being gone um, I think the big takeaway from all that is that we have to um, we have to contextualize that flexibility as more than just chasing a max free agent. So I, I would think that everything that's played out the way it has would tilt the Raptors toward a greater willingness to acquire salary and trade. For example, um, you know, we'll, we'll use the Beal example, but it could be anyone that they really like that has 2021 <laughs> money Um you know, maybe they're more willing to do that now because the opportunity cost of that 2021 free agent class is lower, um, but that flexibility still helps. It's not, you know, just because you're trading for a guy doesn't mean that that flexibility isn't still valuable. Um, So try to frame it that way. I, I think, I think this just opens up the paths to adding to, to this core. So you have Van Vliet, La- uh Van Bleet and and Siakam locked up now for the foreseeable future. You have the flexibility to likely add one more piece in their salary tier. Um, you know now how you're going about that is not just a max free agent Giannis chase. It's okay if someone becomes available in trade and you want to poach that. Um, you know if maybe there's a, a second tier guy you really like and think could, could click next year. Um, maybe there's you know maybe there's a move we're not seeing between now and then, and Powell's gone, and suddenly they do have max cap space and. Uh, Kawhi wants to come back or something like that. Uh, a lot can change in a year in the NBA. So staying lean and staying agile uh, is pretty important. And if you're looking, if you're backward looking, the only real question that comes up that OG's um, extension now casts into question, and I guess the way the market's played out, is like maybe with with the benefit of hindsight, you're willing to give Ibaka two, two years. But even then...
2: Or a bigger first year deal yeah. at least. But even uh, then, I mean, like you, yeah. you
1: totally understand the way it played out. And, and you can't mm-hmm. you obviously can't manage that what like you can't sign a BACA to a two year deal early in free agency, assuming all of these free agents will be off the board. So twenty twenty one is definitely shaping up like twenty sixteen, where we're gonna see some bad Biombo deals. Uh, Alex Len and is gonna get paid thanks to Kyle Lowry, you know, there will be something like that. Um but yeah, I don't know, it's a, it's a real trade-off, and flexibility is still important, even if it's not for a max guy, but uh, you lock up a guy that you're really, really high on for a price that you think is going to be a bargain, it's not, you know, the cap rules are complicated, but the actual decision here at that price is not all that complicated.
2: Yeah, um, back to the Ibaka point, I, I think if you want to criticize Masayu Jerry for not knowing which way the wind was blowing, I mean, that's... Somewhat fair, but based on the reporting done on at the Athletic, like Giannis Antetokounmpo was sort of going back and forth about re-opping or, or or not, and and taking it uh, to the end of the year and, and maybe exploring free agency. So, I, I as I as we tried to indicate in our story, you can only deal with what's in front of you. You you can try and gain as much intel as you can, otherwise, but you know this. You know, back then, they didn't know about Giannis, and they made the choice they made for understandable reasons. The situation in a month has changed, and that's okay. Um, and I think at this price, uh, which notably was the walkaway price for you in our mock negotiation we did, uh, who knows how long ago? A long time ago. Know, two, but... mo- two months ago. Um the picture changes when the context of the entire league changes. You mentioned, uh, actually, before we get to this, uh, there were some other Raptors roster moves uh, on the weekend. Yep. Uh, in a bit of an upset, uh, Yuto Watanabe is given a two way contract. Uh, O'Shea Brissett uh, waived. He did receive a $350,000 guarantee. 300. So Sorry, Three, $300,000. Yes, sorry about that. Thank you uh, for the correction. Uh, So he's not, like that's a pretty good parting gift, but obviously uh, it's a complicated year to be out on the market now with fewer European options, I presume. Uh, So Watson, uh, the previously mentioned Paul Watson Jr., is bumped up to full-time status uh, with, as you say, a $350,000 guarantee, uh, Jalen Harris sticks as a two-way player uh what were your uh, I mean I think it's a mild surprise that they did this what how how did you think about it uh, when it went down and has your mind changed since
1: then yeah I mean I think in retrospect you know I do that annual column every year where I handicap the race yeah team. you were wrong yeah I was you were wrong um I, I basically had it as you know to in broad terms I had it 50 50 percent versus the field. Um, I thought yeah. Watson would be in a spot somewhere and then it was a matter of, you know, does Ellenson, you know, Brissett's fighting Ellenson for the final roster spot or Watson could get converted or, um, you know, and, and Brissett and Ellenson not being two-way eligible meant that if Watson got elevated, it came down to Watanabe and Alizé. Um, I had, I think a 2% preference for Alizé, um, because I, think he's very cool and uh, have enjoyed just him wrong in so many ways boy. I know by by small percentages uh, but yeah I had <laughs> Watanabe a little lower um, just because you know if you look at his player type, Versus, say, an Alizé Johnson um, and some of the other guys that were competing for spots. You know, the Raptors have a lot of good, versatile defenders who you maybe need to be creative with on the offensive end because they're not huge usage threats or, or established shooting threats yet. Um they have several of those, uh, but Watanabe, you know, by all accounts had a really good camp, um, you know, well before the, that final preseason game, we were hearing from Nick Nurse about Watanabe. We were, you know, I, I talked to John Mamalala for my Florida story and Watanabe came up and everyone seemed pretty excited about him. Um, he is a really, really good team defender. I spent So I spent the fourth quarter of the preseason game the other night, um, you know, the game was pretty much settled at the, at that point and it was the the end of bench guys and obviously i'm watching because I, I care about those battles um but it was the rare chance for me to take photos at a game and i had my camera up in the 300 level uh and what i was kind of found myself doing was on defense i was just kind of following watanabe and flynn around like through the lens of my camera and watanabe is just so solid within the team defense and he uses like, he's obviously not big enough to play center, and he was playing power forward in that lineup with Alex Lenn at center. But I do think the way he covers space and uses his length in the middle of the floor, like, you could get away with some of those kind of quirkier, smaller lineups with him as a third forward. You know, like, if you imagine the the Ananobi Siakam, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, say... uh you know, pseudo zone where those three guys just have so much length that it feels like a zone. I think he could fit into that. Now, now I don't think his path to playing time is that clear. Um Anyway, so outside of the team defense, uh, you know, he's a pretty solid ball handler and playmaker for, you know, a guy who's going to be the number five option on the floor whenever he's out there. And his three-point shot came along in the G League last year, not on a huge sample, not on like a remarkable Percentage, but enough to be respectable. And, and the reports from camp were that he shot the ball really well, and that's a swing factor for him. So, um, very happy for Watanabe. What I was going to say off the top uh, before you had to point out that I was wrong was that in, retros- I did. in retrospect, I did have to point it out. Yeah. In retrospect, to me, I, I talked with O'Shea Brissett before he flew back the other day, and he said his knee's good to go and everything. and. and you know, he obviously wasn't using that as an excuse. He was being pretty positive about things. But in retrospect, especially since, you know, he didn't suit, he didn't play the first game. He was obviously a little behind after that late season knee surgery he had. Um, You know, it looks a little bit after the fact, like maybe that 300K was a, hey, you got hurt with us and you're a little behind. You know, here's a here's a bit of a, a cushion slash thank you. Because you know, odds are you're not going to be able to rehab with us because we're going to go with someone else. Um, obviously, it could could just have come down to merit where Watson and Watanabe outplayed Brissett in camp, and you know, obviously Brissett could have forced the uh, forced the issue by by playing better. But um, I do think at, at least a little of that was recognizing the situation and, and making sure Brissett was taken care of. If that makes sense,
2: uh, it does make sense. Um... Uh, the thing that sticks out to me, and we'll move on uh, after this, but th- the Raptors are sort of heavy on guards slash shorter players. Now, some of those short players have, shorter players have pretty massive wingspans. Uh, both Watson and, <laughs> and Watanabe... Some of, and sorry,
1: just to interject, and some of them don't.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, both Watson and Watanabe give the Raptors a bit more quote-unquote, I don't know why I'm I'm quoting and unquoting something, length and size uh, on the wing, potentially. Now, I don't think either of them starting the year in the rotation or anything, but, I I mean, it's sort of a roster dearth situation, a a lack of those types. And that, I mean, obviously Brissette falls in the same category, uh, but these guys have a bit more shooting maybe and a bit more... Playmaking, Whereas Brissett, even though he's far younger, is still mostly a defensive and, and rebounding prospect. So that's something from a roster construction point that stood out to me. Uh, so that's on sort of the very interesting but low leverage side of things. On the very interesting and high leverage uh, side of things, the Raptors are trading for James Harden, Blake. Um Let's just do this quickly because we're writing about it and we don't want to cannibalize all of our own ideas. Uh, But there's rumors floating around. Certainly the Rockets are shopping James Harden. uh, He's throwing balls at rookies,
1: according to Shams. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's Raptors culture, if I've ever heard of it. Um, Look, uh, what do you think the odds are that that Kyle hasn't thrown a ball at someone at some point and they just didn't uh, let it leak?
2: yeah, well, somebody's going to have to uh, get, like, who's leaking this? Probably Harden, right?
1: Well, I don't know <laughs> like if Harden would, would the... leak that he threw a ball at someone.
2: But why would the Rockets leak? Maybe it's just his teammates that that are leaking it. Yeah, but, like, like I could Rockets see there being,
1: like, if Harden's camp was going to leak something about that, like, to, to pressure it and be like, oh, this situation's untenable, uh, you could certainly leak stuff, but I don't think that they would leak stuff yeah, that makes Harden look bad. like an asshole. Um, Look, there's already enough out there that makes Harden look like an asshole. (laughs) Uh,
2: A Houston radio host, and you'll excuse me, I don't have his name, said that the Raptors and the Celtics were sort of the favorites right now. Take that for what it's worth, uh, which is something, but not everything, certainly. The odds makers uh, have constantly had the Raptors in the top four or five in terms of potential... Harden destinations, it's easy to construct a potential deal that involves Siakam and Norm going one way and Tucker and Harden going another and then filling in the pieces as you would see fit, obviously some draft picks. Uh, quickly, what what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I
1: mean, the big thing is going to be the, the cultural factor, right? And, and we joke a little bit about, um, you know, some of the leaks that are out there about Harden, but in reality... The Raptors have really valued uh, culture in in what they've built. And, and, you know, it's just it's a big part of the Masai Ujiri um, organization building is that culture is real and culture is a factor. Um, Now, having said that, it's not as if, you know, we we read stuff about what Kawhi's season with the Clippers was like. And it's not as if that stuff didn't happen in Toronto and they just did a better job keeping it in house because they're a tighter ship and, and the Raptors were winning. Um, you know, you also... Raptors won the championship. Yes. So nobody complained. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So nobody complained publicly after the fact. Yeah. But that's a real thing. And they did make concessions to Kawhi. And I think even you look at the the earlier years of of Kyle Lowry's tenure, um, you know, as they were kind of massaging what that culture was going to be like. And even, I mean... This, Kyle has never received any special. Yeah, treatment. look, this is just this is, just to ask him. This is the smallest <laughs> of, of deals, and I I don't care. But he, you know, he he went longer than Kyrie Irving without talking to the media and was given an excused absence for the first two uh, preseason games. Um, like they do make concessions for guys, and in Lowry's case, you know, he's obviously earned it. You can trust that he's going to be in shape. Um, the team has moved to Tampa, and, and there are a lot of potential family factors and stuff in there. But all of this is just to say that, you know, culture is very important and it's been a pillar of what they've built, but they're also pretty aware of how stars drive winning. And, you know, you can make some concessions around that. Now, Harden seems like, you know, Kawhi, Kawhi maybe required some concessions, but from all accounts, also, you know, the concessions Kawhi required tilted toward the, um, tilted a little closer <laughs> to the Raptors way of doing things anyway with, you know, Hey, we're going to take practices off for load management, but everyone's going to be in here getting their own work in and stuff like that. Uh, I don't think Kawhi got his own locker room in, in Toronto, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, anyway, Harden's cultural question marks as they've been reported are a little less in line with the Raptors uh, purported value. So maybe there's some difficulty there. But also Harden is one of the five best players in the NBA and an offense unto himself. And if you could construct a deal where, you know, only two of your top six or seven guys are going out for him, well, you have to really, really consider it because there are, you can count on one hand the number of players who are better than James Harden. And that's yeah. pretty much what it comes down to. There are a lot of question marks about culture fit and whether he'd want to be there and stuff. But on the court... The Raptors, I think in the, you know, say a Siakam, Powell, Davis and Picks framework for for Harden and Tucker, I think would be the favorites in the East. And that's a real thing that maybe is worth, you know, the occasional (laughs) visit to
2: Tampa's finest facilities. Yeah, like I haven't got that vibe (laughs) for the city yet, but
1: (laughs) it surely exists. Um, of course it does. You don't things, have three pro sports teams and not yeah. a, and lack the amenities. Uh,
2: yeah, although you could just listen to some whole study songs and go down to Ebor City, which I think is uh, pretty close to. It's supposed to be a seedy little town. I think that might be below James Harden Station in life. Uh, he would be the ultimate test of that sort of culture and, and a lot of things the Raptors love to talk about. Uh, he very much does not seem like a Raptors type of guy, uh, which, again, matters less when you're this good. He does have, and a lot of the nature of the concerns, as you point out, are, are very different. Like a lot of Kawhi's questions, uh, like heading out of the Spurs years, and his, certainly the way he was perceived, had to do with an injury situation uh, there there was other stuff absolutely, uh, especially in and around the Uncle Dennis territory um, but the, you know, when he was on the floor and, and his commitment to being a guy who is easy to fit in and works well within a system, uh, that was never in question. And some of that stuff is
1: in question with Harden. I don't I don't know if, like, the on-court stuff is... Like, maybe, yeah. No, maybe. like,
2: Harden, pl- Harden plays his, a- his ass off. Yeah, and he doesn't um, miss and, games. And, and he and doesn't and... miss games, but he hasn't played in an actual basketball system uh, that wasn't... And, and anything in Toronto would be based around him, too, because that's why you get James Harden. Yeah, I, and, and they did that with Kawhi, too, to, right? Like, yeah. they... It's not. Like I would expect it to run be dialed days. back from what happened in Houston. Sure, I would just say sure. But you'd um, also,
1: you know, you could. I mean, they have Chris Finch on the staff who helped kind of design the offense they built around Harden in Houston. Um, you know, in the theoretical framework where it's Siakam and Powell and Davis going out, you have what you need around Harden, right? Like OG yeah. is a pretty typical, like like almost like maybe if he was a, a little better a three point shooter, sure, but. Um, in terms of what you want from your foreman uh, around Harden, Lowry and Van Vliet, either in a, li- a smaller lineup together or, um, you know, one at a time staggered, are, are kind of ideal point guards next to Harden at this point as guys who can defend and shoot. Um, and even, like, the Raptors' smaller lineups, if you, if you closed and started Lowry, Van Vliet, Harden, like... Harden has improved defensively and is like, like if you're going to get the most out of Harden defensively, it's sliding him up a position where he can, um, you know, use his strength and kind of lean into guys and he's become a pretty good post defender and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess this is what it comes down to is like your mileage with a Harden trade probably comes down to how you see the culture fit playing out and whether you think Masai Ujiri would actually trade Pascal Siakam. Because I don't think I don't think it's really worth the time to discuss, you know, siakamless list frameworks, because why would, you know, then we get into the territory where any of these other teams trying to make yeah. a deal for for no, Houston
2: it. clearly wants some picks and they clearly want a younger franchise yeah. type guy. And uh, yeah. that's where Siakam. Yeah, I, I
1: have um, I have very little concern that the Raptors wouldn't be very good on the court. It's it's a lot yeah. of that ancillary stuff, and then the kind of balancing the short term and the long term, where you only have two years of Harden versus four of Siakam, and um, you know plus the picks and everything like that. But as we've yeah. seen, if you can open up even a reasonable title contention window, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: um, yeah, sign me up for the Lowry, uh Harden, Ananobi. Tucker, Tucker, closing Woo. lineup. Uh, maybe starting lineup, but certainly closing. Also, lineup.
1: like Chris Boucher, who just gets so many dunks. Yeah, he, like Chris Boucher well, being welcome a,
2: to your life, Cled Capella. Yeah,
1: or, or like, <laughs> like we've already seen it's just preseason or whatever. But like Christian Wood is going to average a million points if Harden stays in Houston.
0: Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone.
1: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Uh,
2: I want to get to some prediction stuff, uh, but before we do that, you've been in Tampa for a week now. Yeah. Yeah. Big story from you, awesome story, super thorough on how the Raptors came to play in Tampa, how they've made it uh, their home away from home for at least uh, two months, probably more, I feel comfortable in saying. Um, So what, I mean, when you saw, when you've seen so much there, what are the one or two things that stood out as like, I have a tough time conceiving of how this gets done in such a short window. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, the big thing is... Uh, All of it? The Yeah, <laughs> I mean, really, it is. Um, you know, it's it's kind of when you start to hear... Weirdly, like, obviously I know that it's a lot to build this facility and stuff, but when I talked to um, Garrett Mills, who's the manager of production at BAM Productions, who kind of handled the build, and he kind of offhand mentioned, like, just the weight of stuff, like the physical weight of stuff yes. that they were moving and it's like oh yeah we had like 80,000 pounds of uh, of equipment to take up and the hotel only has one freight elevator and oh by the way the hotel itself is still under construction it's uh, you know it's just, i don't know it's it's kind of a you know i don't want to over like it's not like a miracle of engineering or anything but they were really up against it and uh the fact that it all got done like i was fully expecting you know, the second week of Raptors training camp to have to still be at St. Leo still once I started digging into to everything that's gone into this. And I think, you know, even the fact that, like, I would have understood if they were like, hey, we'll get the courts up in time, but stuff like Nick Nurse's office or, or Masai's lounge and stuff like that, like, you're going to have to wait on that stuff. But they got everything in. And I think, uh, you know, it's pretty impressive. I, the, the arena side, Emily Arena side, is a little more straightforward because you know, the Raptors and Lightning staff both know how to change over a hockey arena for basketball and for concerts and stuff like that. It's, it was more hearing um, on the tech side, what had to go into that. So like the NBA had people down here and you have to get things up to NBA standards for not just the broadcast. And obviously you have to, you know, you light a basketball game very differently than you light a hockey game. Um, But even things like, the NHL doesn't use the same sport view cameras as the NBA, so what the Lightning had set up had to be supplemented um, so that the Raptors could still be part of the player tracking and stuff like that. Um, And then also, I'm really upset kevin priest uh who is um the evp of events here with the lightning and vinnick sports group um he was tremendously helpful to me throughout the process but i did not get to see the actual spreadsheet where they tried to line up all the schedules of like here's the lightning dates here's the leafs dates here's the raptors dates Here's what would happen if the Raptors have to move. Here's where we can do concerts and stuff like that. I didn't get to see the actual spreadsheet, and I think that's the only thing missing uh, for me. Do you from... know where the
2: Lightning practice?
1: Uh, No, I don't actually. I mean, hmm. I'm sure I could find that out. but No, no, I'm just curious. I'm sure they don't practice at the arena. No, uh, they don't. All.
2: Um, I, I was just yeah trying to make uh... sure in my head that they didn't, because that would be problematic they practice but, uh, at a place
1: called ice sports form which is uh, a little east of here yeah
2: cool yeah um what i, I mean did you get a sense you, you you know no special player access uh you are walking around in a hotel where you sometimes see some of the players uh and also like yeah what what's just the atmosphere organizationally about This move right now the best as you can sense yeah i
1: mean the best way i can describe it is like it felt very training campy and obviously it is the preseason so that that's that's part of it but like you know when we were in quebec city last year which is the only training camp i've gone to or from what you've filled me in on uh, of what the training camps in burnaby were like you know it's kind of it kind of had that vibe and it's uh you know, it was very reminiscent, actually, of when I went on the road with the 905 and what that was like. Now, obviously, the Marriott we're staying at here is a lot nicer than where the 905 stay. And these players are flying in and then renting Porsches and stuff like that, not traveling on a bus. But um, vibes wise, it felt similar. You know, like I was sitting um, there was one day I did my transcribing in, in the hotel lobby because the hotel here has a very nice space out lobby where i could throw a mask on and um you know during the course of the hour or two that i was working there i saw half the roster walking through just you know casually and i've run into um norman powell and a couple others at starbucks or you know you cross paths with Masai as you're entering the hotel it's just it's just kind of a weird vibe especially because like a, I'm the only media here, and B, I'm not actually allowed to go up and talk to these people. Like, yeah. like, yes, if I'm right behind Norman Powell in line at Starbucks, I can say hello and ask about uh, Apollo and Odin, his Pomskis. But yeah. in general, I'm not like, like I was not outside OG's room with a cup up to the door yesterday, you know? Yeah, Jamal McClure styles. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, um, uh, this is like maybe more of the, the nitty gritty detail than, than maybe people need. But yesterday was actually the last day that the team was putting players up at the hotel. So there is one of the th- questions I haven't been able to answer. And I think it's still being determined. And, and Adam silver commented on it a little bit yesterday with respect to, um, you know, the league's going to look favorably on helping the Raptors with the immense cost of this move is that technically in the CBA, you can pay for players' hotel rooms on the road, but you can't pay for their for where they live. It's a cap circ- circumvention because yeah. you could, you know, get Uncle Dennis a home around the cap. Um, Theoretically, yeah, just throwing out an idea. Um, yeah. So you know, players having like on one hand, yes, that's accurate. On the other, these players, a lot of these players have places in Toronto, and then now they also like. Is it fair for? Fred Van Bleed and Kyle Lowry to have to pay for multiple rents. Uh, I don't really know. Uh, but a guy like Paul Watson, who's on the fringe of the roster, like he doesn't have a place in Toronto and would be finding a place anyway. So I think some of that stuff's being filled out, uh, figured out still. But it was funny yesterday. Um, so yesterday was the last day that they that the team was, was um, putting them up at the Marriott, but some players still don't have their places yet. So they were like, a handful of players changing rooms just because they had to make like their (laughs) own booking. Um, So it was a little bit chaotic like that. And it was kind of funny. Uh, And then you also have like, you know, like to go back to the Paul Watson, O'Shea Brissett example, you know, O'Shea didn't bring his family down because he wasn't certain he was going to make the team. And and Paul Watson hadn't got a place because he wasn't sure he was going to make the team. And now this is the week where ahead of the opener, you're kind of seeing that chaos play out. and, And like, I think I won't mention specific names, but some of the office people still don't have their places yet, um, which means their families aren't down and they might be coming down like over the course of the holiday. So it's still it's still more chaotic than you would uh, you would like a day out from the opener, probably.
2: Yeah. So pencil the Raptors in for a loss Wednesday night against the Pelicans is what you're saying. Too much personal stress.
1: No, 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 no. Uh, Finally, we. sorry, if if that loss was coming, it's uh I'm much more willing to chalk it up to how insane Zion looked in the preseason. Having been zion
2: Yeah um before we got to some quick prediction stuff because hey the season starts tonight and for the raptors on wednesday uh what was it like at at the game when i believe capacity of 3200 yes so there were uh, only
1: 2400 at the game um there'll be 3800 for the opener and that's sold out and i think something like 65 percent of tickets um for the available schedule have already sold which is uh cool um it was weird it was um like obviously first of all that's not a full crowd so like um aesthetically the game looks pretty empty it's like it's like you know it it almost felt like late in summer league when it's only like the bloggers and a handful of locals you and holly are left yeah (laughs) um so it's uh had a little bit of that and i think they're still working out the kinks of like well, there's a real crowd here, but they're not loud enough, so we have to pipe in crowd noise, but it sounds too weird if it's piped in too heavy over top of the actual crowd. So some of that's still getting figured out, you know, player intros are going on like, wait a second, that's not Strizzy, that's not Herbie, you know, the um, the woman who's doing the in-arena PA, I'm like, that's not Kat. What what's going on here? The only part of the Game Ops uh, crew that's, you know, actually there is the Raptor himself, uh, so it's weird, man. It's uh, It was cool for me, like, personally. Um, so for media, I was up in the 300 level, uh, just a couple rows up and spaced out from other media. And because of all that space and because there's not a heavy crowd there, I was able to take photos, which is something I don't get to do at regular NBA games and was really fun. Um, but, yeah, man, it's weird. It's going to take some getting used to, I think.
2: Uh, For sure, for everybody. Uh, I believe there are seven teams hosting some number of fans and uh yeah, I just talked about it last week. So hopefully everybody knows what they're doing and is safe and I worry about this stuff, but it is a business and they'll do what they think is uh you know their in their best interest, both in terms of health, but also Making money. Yeah, uh, t- let's get to the predictions. And by the way, once again, please uh, look out for Blake's story. He'll have a second one coming from Tampa about... Uh, I won't give it away. Uh, but the first one is up as of Tuesday morning. Oh, Big Oh, we can give one- the other weekend. one away.
1: It's... uh, okay. Yeah, the one, uh, the one I have coming Wednesday is just, like, I talked to a bunch of Raptors fans here in Tampa about, like, yeah, a couple yeah. who had went to the game uh, Friday or going Wednesday and are, like, either toronto transplants or you know a raptor fan here or someone who's changing over from a magic fan to a raptor fan now um it's a lighter it's much much lighter than the uh the logistical yeah. story
2: yeah well the logistical story is a dense little turkey to quote veronica mars uh but it is very very informative and good i'm a dense uh, little per- turkey too <laughs> um Maybe he said a dense, she said a dense little chicken. Anyway, I'll have to go back and rewatch that episode. Uh, quickly, predictions. I, I know you made them in uh, online. Yeah, but I uh, forget we'll them start... already,
1: so these will be brand yeah. new.
2: Yeah, we'll start with the boring stuff. Uh, how many wins in a 72-game season?
1: I had them at 46, which is uh, four and a half more than the Vegas Over Under, and which I was told was homerish and pessimistic. So, you know, you know you hit that sweet spot when you got it from both sides that uh Yeah, that's too I only got pessimistic low. for my 42, uh, which I are 42 it, it is low. low. What yeah, what I found uh, interesting was that you had them at 42, but we had their offense and defense around the same level. So, I guess you're just uh you know,
2: I, I guess I'm just you know they lose more close games. Yeah. I don't know, which like, is
1: fair. Like, I mean they've they've uh, done they've historically done well in those and had a lot of comebacks and, and things like that. Like like I, last like year they overperformed sorry. their you know Pythag win loss by three or four games. So um, yeah,
2: who's to say they won't uh, underperform it by the same number this year? Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't think these things through holistically. I, I'm dumb like that. Uh, <laughs> playoff uh so where will where will they
1: finish in the east and how far will they go yeah i had them i think i had them tied for second and then looking around at some of the projection systems i don't know if 46 gets you to second it's a little hard to tell because like i think 46 maybe gets you to second or third because there are a lot of good teams in the east that'll You know, you imagine that the top seven or so will play something resembling 50-50 ball against each other. Uh, And then the schedule is more balanced this year where those top East teams don't get to beat up on the bottom of the East quite as much proportionally. Like those 10 games that aren't on the schedule this year all come from within your own conference. So um, I think there will be a slight tilt toward the the West being even stronger um, record-wise because, again, I, I do think the top seven in the East are pretty good, and there are a couple plucky teams in the next tier, but the bottom of the east is dramatically worse than the bottom yeah, of the, the West. worst
2: worst part of the league yeah so you uh, you're you're thought.
1: losing out you know those 10 games you're losing out on yes four of those for the raptors are division opponents so there's only one free win in there with the knicks yeah. but the other six could have conceivably been you know bad chicago bad east teams but, yeah chicago yeah. orlando cleveland Detroit, whatever. Uh, there's
2: only one. Yeah, there's only one team in the West that's trying to be or doesn't care if they're good. I should say, and that's Oklahoma City, and they're still fun. Yeah, they're good. Uh, so <laughs> this
1: is so. It's going to be the end of Sam Presti. The fact that he's the only one that doesn't want to be good, and he, they're yeah. just
2: still too good.
1: Yeah. If, no, if not is, good, they're fun for sure.
2: Yeah, there are other teams that will inevitably fail to meet expectations because 14 teams don't make the
1: playoffs. The Kings, baby. Um, <laughs>
2: yeah, and, and what
1: I was thinking. Obviously, the, the other thing is if the Rockets trade hard and they float right to the bottom there.
2: Uh, Sure do, Uh, unless you are a John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins believer. Although, uh, I guess,
1: I, mean, I don't know. John Wall, Pascal Siakam, Norman Powell, DeMarcus Cousins, Christian Wood. Fun? You can get there. Yeah. Not uh, not to the playoffs but, in the West, but to like the 13th seed in the West. Yeah. We have some fun
2: things to get through, so oh, sorry. playoffs, how far? Pardon? How far will the Raptors get in the playoffs? Second round. Uh, I have them going out in the first round because I am a hater. Uh, any and all awards that the Raptors, uh, any Raptor, may win.
1: Kyle Lowry, All Star. Pascal Siakam, third team NBA if he's still there. Um, OG, OG and Ob, All Defense. All defense you
2: had. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, I think that's it. Oh, Malachi uh, Flynn, All Rookie. Yeah, uh, that that um, one's diceier because it requires yeah, playing time, playing but. Time. He's really good. Uh,
2: And before we get to a bunch of over-unders, what will the Pat McCaw situation be this year for fans? Will it just be Pat McCaw, or will
1: there be a new one? I think fans are going to come around on Patrick McCaw because the team has so much backcourt depth that Nick Nurse just isn't going to be able to play him 20 minutes a game when he's healthy. Yeah, like DeAndre Bembry is just better Patrick McCaw, and then there's also Malachi Flynn, and they have a really crowded backcourt. I guess
2: what I'm asking is, will there be a similar lightning rod conversation going on about anybody or anything?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there I always that's, is. That's
2: hard to. Per- that's hard to predict. Yeah. There the, always will right be.
1: I, I think the. You know, we got it a little bit with the roster decisions. People mad that Stanley Johnson is still on the roster, but that three point eight million could be helpful in trade. Um, so I will say, if Stanley is on the roster post deadline, he's going to get it, even though you know he only played a hundred minutes last yeah. year. People got to ro- overreact somewhere. Um, I could yeah. see the the Len Boucher backup center situation being an argument at some point too. Um, yeah. because I only
2: say this, I only ask you this on the spot because you nailed Macaw last year yeah. uh, in terms of it being it. So I wanted, uh, I wanted to see if you have that uh, second year in you. Uh, and I'm with you on the center spot. It could totally become that, although I'm not sure in which direction. Uh, I think more likely as Boucher should be playing more, Len should be playing less, but I'm not positive. Um, okay, quick over unders. Uh, Pascal Siakam averaged 35.7 points, rebounds, and assists per game last year. Over or under? Over, slightly.
0: But more Uh, efficiently.
2: His his true shooting percentage, good uh, anticipation. Uh, Last year, 55.4. Lower than that in the playoffs. His most improved year, 62.8. I'm setting the true shooting percentage over under at 57.
1: Ooh, that's going to be tight. I will say slightly under, but higher than last year. So in that 55 to 57 band.
2: Okay. Kyle Lowry drew 34 charges in 58 games last year, Jesus. leading the league.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm setting the over-under at 30. Uh, over or under? I'm going to say under just because Baines has been a top 10 charge drawer the last couple years yeah. too. And there's just, there's a... There aren't diminishing returns, those are still possessions, but there's only so much space to occupy there, and Baines could command more of it by way of being three times the size of Kyle Lowry.
2: OG Ananobi's career high for a season and usage percentage is 15.5, over or under? Over. Matt Thomas averaged (laughs) 1.13 pointers made in 10.7 minutes per game last year. Will he be over or under one point four this year?
1: Um, are we how are we treating DNPCDs for this? Uh, not a game. Okay, uh, then over. Um,
2: will Nick Nurse? This is not an over or under. Enter a Jimmy Buffett phase, living in Florida, and become a
1: parrot head. Uh, no. Um, but I will say, yeah, I could see him pushing the limits of the new rules that coaches don't have to wear suits, though. <laughs> to what extent? I don't know. I could just, like, would it, you you mentioned Jimmy Buffett. Would it be all that surprising if Nick tried to get away with, uh, like, a Tommy Bahama shirt <laughs> and khakis? Yeah. Do you remember, like, the
2: Raptors uh, Clippers games in Hawaii? I, yes. I think uh, Doc, I don't remember if Dwayne was wearing, like, a Hawaiian shirt, but Doc Rivers certainly was. <laughs> yeah. uh, over, under on Tom Brady appearances at Raptors games, 0.5. Under. Broken ballroom chandelier, 0.5. Ooh.
1: Uh, I'm going to say over, but it never gets out. <laughs> they they keep it so unprovable those,
2: yes <laughs> uh and my last one paul watson leads the team in scoring 0. 0.5 games
1: oh i'll say i'll say over you know there's going to be we don't have the second half of the schedule yet but you know they're playing miami in a meaningless game at the end of the season where someone's going to get hurt and, and watson will drop or, like 25 in it or the equivalent of the raptors 100 point bench game yes in game four exactly that's the bats
2: uh, that's all I got for you. You uh, you have any parting thoughts or any questions you want to put me on the spot with? We're, we're, we need to get to the end here.
1: Sure. Um, the Raptors have lost a lot of their uh, media, quote, equity over the last couple of years. <sighs> At what point in the season does Fred Van Vliet finally tire <laughs> of being the only guy we ask for after games?
2: Um. Well, Aaron Baines is going to help there. I would say uh, it's sort of need. You, he needs to have a bigger role, and I think he's going to be the starting center for a while. Um, and and you know the one week break in there will help. But and this also ties in with how let's say cooperative Kyle Lowry is. Uh, so let's go mm, early April.
1: Okay, that's fair. Um, Kyle Lowry will not be cooperative. Is my guess. (laughs) I said how cooperative, (laughs) not 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 will he be cooperative. Um, And then I guess the the other big one I have for you is uh, Malachi Flynn games played. uh, Let's say forty five and a half over under.
2: Yeah, I'll take. I'll take the over injuries yeah uh,
1: injuries the g yeah. league being a bubble complicates things because you're probably gonna have to send him for the whole time if he goes
2: yeah I, I that's a good one i'll take slightly over but i don't feel good about it at all
1: all right i think that's all i got
2: all right well uh we're also late. pushing
1: an hour here so
2: yeah stay safe um get home safely to our lovely listeners Happy holidays. Merry Christmas if you're celebrating. Uh, Happy Boxing Day shopping online if that's a thing you do. Blake, thanks for taking time out of your busy Florida man schedule to be here. Yeah,
1: just hanging in the hotel room and going back and forth to uh, the arena and Starbucks because I'm afraid to go anywhere else. That's
2: valid. Stay safe for the rest of your time there. Listeners have a safe and happy and responsible holiday season. Uh, And we'll talk to you at some point next week when we are uh, both, hopefully, I mean, I I have no plans to go anywhere, but you should be back in the six. Uh, Happy holidays, all. See ya!